Welcome to King's Touch Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. I'm going to take one major text, which is going to be Nehemiah, chapter number 8. I'm going to read through all of chapter number 8, which is about 18 verses. You are going to have to bear with me, but I will read it because I know most of you didn't read your scriptures this morning. So we will do the study together. Even though I'm going to only touch a little bit of it tonight, uh, I will read all of it because that's where our discourse is going to be. All right, verse number one, Nehemiah chapter number eight. And the Bible declares, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. They speak unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book. Somebody say, bring the book. Come on, talk like you believe it. Say, bring the book. Bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Ezra and the priests brought the law before the congregation, both men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning until midday. Say, from morning until midday. Before the men and the women, those that could understand and the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Say, the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood upon the pulpit of wood. Let's say the pulpit of wood. That it is the pulpit of wood. Say the pulpit of wood. Which they had made for that purpose. And beside him stood uh, Mattithiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Maseah. On his right hand and on his left, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashum and Hashbadan, Zechariah and Meshulam. Verse number five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people. When he opened it, all the people stood up, my God. Say, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, amen, with the lifting of their hand. How can you miss that? Lift your hand and say, Amen. amen. Say, amen. amen. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Joshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub and Shebatai. Hodijah, Maser, Kelita, Azariah, Juzabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. People stood in their place. So they read the book of the law of God distinctly. Somebody said distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Verse number nine. Nehemiah, which is the Tashatha, this is the... This is the Hebrew word for the title of governor. So Nehemiah the governor, Tarshatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levite that told the people, saying unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not and weep not, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fart, and drink the sweet, and send portions to them of whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Wonderful place to say amen there. Say amen. 
Verse number 11. So the Levites still the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither ye be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions to them uh, to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of the people, the priests and the Levites and Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the Lord, to understand the words of the Lord, to understand the words of the Lord. Verse number 14, and they found a written in the law of the Lord that which had been commanded to Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in boots in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim all in their cities in Jerusalem, saying, go forth unto the mountain, fetch olive branches and pine trees and mother trees and palm branches and branches of thick trees and make boots as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves both everyone, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the streets of the water gate and in the streets of the gate of Ephraim. Verse number 17 and all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity met their booth and sat under the booth for since the days of Joshua, the son of Nan. I don't know if you heard that. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nan, unto this day, or that day, had not the children of Israel done so. And there was great gladness also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, the first day unto the last day, from the first day unto the last day. He read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was solemn assembly according unto the manner of the law of the word of God. Abba Father, we thank you tonight for the proclamation of your word. I thank you for the entrance of your word which giveth light and imparteth understanding to the simple. I thank you for open heaven and the grace that makes teaching and preaching easy tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endureth forever. Now prevail through your word tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Shake every unshakable substance. Move in every immovable heart. Cause life in every rock-hearted spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Heal the sick. Deliver the tormented. Open the heavens, O God, and command hope and cause life and deliverance to be made available here in the presence of your people as we submit to the power and the empowerment of the word of God. We give you thanks and we give you praise. If you believe it, say amen. amen. That one is on walking stick. Give me a real big amen. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Do you want to try it one more time for the sake of our study tonight? Give me a real strong Zulu amen. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. As I said earlier, our exegesis is going to be on this chapter that we read so deep. I mean, if you begin to study Nehemiah, the whole book, let's focus on uh, number eight here. You could probably do a whole month series 
uh, to just look at the different things that are highlighted in this chapter, especially uh, in the discourse of where I want to put my, uh, my, 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 my centrality tonight, or rather uh, the rest of this week. I want to encourage everybody to be here. I know that all of us have come excited and full of expectation, but we are going to build brick upon brick, line upon line, and word upon word. Glory to God. So don't be here tonight and miss tomorrow, miss Saturday, or miss the other day, because you're going to go brick upon brick, line upon line, word upon word, prophecy upon prophecy, good word upon good word, and by that I believe that we will then be able to move from glory to glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Uh, my pastor taught me many, many, many years ago that you've got to be in every meeting because it's like the baking of a cake. If you miss the crashing of the eggs and you miss the fixing of the door and you miss the food color part and then you miss the oven part. I mean, if you show up and it's finished, it will be wonderful, but you'll never have the experience of the one that was in the kitchen as you we were crushing the eggs and mixing the dough and adding some color and making the choice of what we should at where? Glory to God. I want you to test it at some point in your life and have the beautiful, amazing experience that I'm a part of a grand work, which is God's grand design. Glory. Hallelujah. And so I strongly, 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 strongly encourage you to be here. Invite your friends. Let's build it up together because on the subject of the people of the book, I want to give you the thesis and the antithesis. I will give you the hypothesis and then we will synthesize. Somebody say hallelujah. So in chapter number 8 of the book of Nehemiah, the scene is set. And what begins to flow here is about 70 years they have struggled in Babylon. I'm sure you know the history of what has happened to the people of God under the mighty strong hand of uh, uh, the Babylonian captivity. Uh, prophets have written and said it would be about 70 years. Some of them, like Daniel, have been able to perceive that the hour for captivity is over. They begin to push the agenda of God in that line that the barrier be broken and let them begin to go home. Nehemiah is one of them, of course, together with Ezra. We know the story of Nehemiah. We don't have time to read from chapter number one, but he begins to bear the burden, having heard the news uh, that the walls in Jerusalem are broken down. Nehemiah carries the burden as a vision bearer. A burden bearer goes before the king, uh, presents the plea like it was in the days of, uh, of Esther, because to just go before the king and present your need could cost your life. And yet this man bears the burden, goes before the king. He gets permission. He receives the resources. A prophetic word begin to come to pass as it was declared that 70 years would be the year and the mighty door would be opened for them to be able to go back. As he begins to go back, his uh, compatriot, uh, Ezra, uh, you know, the walls are built and uh, uh, the, the, the masses begin to walk from uh, uh, Babylon out of captivity back into Jerusalem. And we are in a place, Nehemiah 8, where most of the city has been build. Uh, the walls are already up. Jerusalem no longer needs a building program because the city has been built. The walls are up. The temple has been restored. It's some kind of magnificent restoration of the whole uh, 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 plan of God for the Jewish people. But then we begin to see an amazing thing here as we begin to see it in, in, in number one, verse number one of Nehemiah chapter number eight. When they all gathered together, the Bible say they asked Ezra to bring out the book and they cried saying bring ye out 
the word of the Lord, bringing out the book, the scroll, the writing of the Lord, the law of the Lord as it was given to Moses. And the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water again. And they spoke to Israel the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. If you read in the book of Ezra, chapter number 2, around verse number 64, you will find that the grand population of these people was about 42,000. 360. If you read the King James, it will say uh, 303 score. Of course, you know that a score is about 20 of them. Uh, That's why I give them to you at about 60. Glory to God. A remarkable plea of the people of God with a hungry and a thirsty cry. The crowd, the the pew is reaching out to Israel and those that God has anointed for the hour saying wonderful. The city has been built. The walls are up. The temple is restored. The traditions are alright. We need one more thing. Please bring out the book. That law of Moses that we've heard about years gone by, that we've heard about while in captivity, that we've heard about we've never read. We've heard that someday, a long time ago, our people were brought out of the land of bondage, which was the land of Egypt. Our fathers were led miraculously through the wilderness, and God gave them a law, gave them a commandment, gave them some words that were written by his servant Moses. Let's look at those words even as we have come out of uh, Babylon. Somebody say hallelujah. So Nehemiah 8 and 18 we see there and I emphasize that from the first day unto the last day they read in the book of the law. In an earlier verse he said on that one day once the book of the law had been brought out they began to read from morning until evening. From morning until evening. The last verse 18 from the first day of the festivities until the last day they were reading through the book. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to submit to you today as I begin what is going to be my synopsis of what is going to push in the next four days that we must understand the need and the place of the book in the Christian life. Because you see, the book is not just an ancient document. It's not just uh, one of those religious presentations uh, for you and me to make reference to and to quote a little bit here and there whenever you need it for your service. You want to discipline your kids uh, and you say, uh, uh, spare uh, not the, what, what does the proverb say? Uh, 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 teach the child, uh, t- spare the rod. Is that what I'm looking for? Train a child in the way he should grow. And when he grows, he will never, ever, ever depart from it. I'd like to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the book is essential and critical, so critical for the Christian life that is the central bolt of the movement of our engine. Somebody say hallelujah. Because everything we ever desired, every inspiration we've ever carried, everything we ever needed, I mean mention it from A to Z, from Alpha to Omega in the Christian life, whether it's the revelation of the Messiah, Christ Jesus, whether it's the wonderful gift of salvation for we are saved by grace uh, uh, through faith, uh, whether it's going to be the understanding of faith, uh, for faith cometh by hearing uh, and by hearing uh, by the word of God, basic understanding, 101 of the Christian life that I call Christian empowerment is going to have to be based in the foundation of what they what we call the book. Hallelujah. 
So the book therefore must begin to become the movement of your driving impact. The book therefore must begin to become the paradigm of the visions of your life. The book therefore must begin to count the moving system of who you are, what you've been and what you will ever be. It must be read through the glass and through the spectacles of what the book deliberates and demands upon your life. Somebody say hallelujah. In the Hebrew, the word is Shefar, Sefer or Sifra, uh, two of them, which simply means a letter of instruction. It means a written order or a commission or a decree. It also means a legal document. Glory to God. So when you talk in the Hebrew mind of what we are calling the book here, the man sees the presentation of legal document that is demanding some kind of verdict in his life. Uh, Sifra is the book or the scroll even of prophecies, genealogical register, the law or the book of the law, even the book of poems, including the book of the kings, the writing of the kings are as a part of the sifra, what we call the book. It is also number five, the canon, the scripture, the recording, and I like this, the divine book of the writing of almighty God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to act surprised, but I would like to let you know the most author in his worldwide world is Elohim, Jehovah El Shaddai. Glory, hallelujah. I know some of you are readers and you love to read and you read Mills and Boone and you read this, that and the other. I don't know what levels you you read the Hardy Boys and you read the newspaper and you read this, that and the other. Your cells are full of those that you've read and those you intend to read and some that you've never read. Can I tell you something? Nothing bigger, nothing stronger than that that has been authored by Almighty God. I had the good book say that every scripture was written of God as holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you feel like I feel, but if you want to hear the love trend and the flow of the heart of God, it is not found in a prophetic voice, sometimes a little bit. It is not found in the guy down the street, maybe sometimes a little bit. It may not be found in the movies you like, Christian movies you like, Christian education you like. The real movement of the heart of God that reveals his spirit, that transforms lives, communities, and nations is embedded in the mystery of the shifra that we call the book because it is the divine mandate of authorship. God revealing his heart to humanity. If I'm talking, say, preach the gospel. In the Greek, you will like this. In the Greek, the word is biblos. Glory to God. From which we pick the English word, a Bible. In the Greek, a biblos, which is a, a beta, iota, beta, lambda, uh, omicron, and sigma. Biblos. Glory to God. I say glory to God, which means the written book, a scroll or a roll as revealed by God. Somebody say, ha, hallelujah. So some people say, I've never heard the voice of God. I would like to hear the audible voice of God. I would like to have a God experience. I mean, people are looking for these experiences left, right, and center. The only thing is that they've stayed away from the source of these experiences. They've stayed away from where the miracle happens. They've stayed away from the key that unlocks the divine. Hey. Hey. I say hallelujah. 
40 days of fasting, absolutely wonderful. I probably could be fasting more than many of you. But outside of the scriptures, that could be dangerous. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Your money understanding and your tithes and your offering and your first food. I talk about that with boldness because probably, peradventure, I could be giving more than many of you. But outside of the scriptures, that too could be dangerous. Somebody say hallelujah. The Bible declares that the knowledge of the word of God will cover the earth even as the waters cover the sea. In other words, the divine strategy of empowerment, not just for lives, individual lives and nations and communities, but for nations around the world is embedded in the key of the word of God. To the degree that we shy away from the expose of the word of God, we are shying away from divine revelation, divine input in your lives, and understanding that allows the arrangement of your life by divine order that you will be everything God said you can be and that you will do everything that God say you will do. Somebody say glory to God. A marvelous one is in Joshua chapter number one and I know you know verse number eight very well but I'm going to co combine it with seven and with nine so that you have the context thereof. He said only be thou strong and very courageous that thou might observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commandeth thee. Turn not to the right or to the left that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. That's number eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may yourselves to do that which is written therein. For then will thou uh, make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Look at verse number nine. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wheresoever thou goest. So the Lord thy God is with you wheresoever thou goest. Have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage so your courage and your strength and the capacity to not be dismayed because the lord thy god is with you is embedded in number eight which is that the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth thou shalt meditate therein day and night day and night day and night that thou may observe to do according to that which is written therein for them thou shall be able to make thy way prosperous and thou shalt see good success. That is the bridge and the combination of the courage. Glory to God. Be of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Number number nine is an equivalent to number eight. Be thou strong and very courageous and that thou may observe to do according to the law of Moses my servant which commanded thee. Turn not from it, not to the right or to the left, that thou mayest prosper. Strength and direction and courage and empowerment and revelation of God. The ability to walk with God. I mean, this is not to say that prayer is irrelevant. Of course, that is a cake and a heretic to think like that. This is not to say that your giving is irrelevant. I would be a heretic to talk and to think like that. All I would like to say that all of that, plus others I may not be able to say here tonight, that common thread and that chain link that gives all of them life, that gives all of them empowerment, that gives all of them the plumb line, that gives all of them ability to produce results, is the foundation 101 principle of our spirituality, which is the book. 
Somebody say the book. So when we talk to be empowered by the book, there is so much power in the book that you'll be absolutely mesmerized what God is able to do with you as you pay attention to the book. I know you've been looking for the angels, you haven't seen them. I know you've been looking for the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and you've not yet seen the Trinity. Sometimes you wake up and you feel your hair stand, and you think the Holy Ghost is by you. And then when the hair go down, then you say the Holy Ghost has gone away from you. Sometimes you think you are like some sort, and when you don't feel him, then you think he's not there. I want to draw you to the book ladies and gentlemen because the book says so much about the presence of God the book gives the blueprint about the presence of God which way that you should go talking to Joshua here he said don't you turn to the left don't you turn to the right don't you try any other thing do you understand that do, do you understand that don't you try any other thing that includes any other person that includes every expert that includes those that purport to be experts if they go against God's word I would love you I would celebrate you you inspire me but i'm not in your whatsapp group if you don't follow by the word i make up my mind as joshua said as for me and my house we will serve the law moses told them in one place choose you this day whom you will serve glory to god make a decision because you're making a decision between life and death you go by his word you see life you go against his word you see death Glory to God. I know it sounds very basic. And none of what I'm saying is something you've never heard before. But I tell you what. It is the little things that make the great difference. The Christian life will be empowered magnificently if we go back to the foundations of the scriptures. God is not about to release a brand new word. We have it all. We have it all. We have it all. Ladies and gentlemen, we have it all. Embedded from Genesis to Revelation, you can abide on that for the rest of your days. I know a preacher that was in jail for eight years. He only had one part page of the Bible that had Romans chapter to number 11 and for 11 years the guy preached a new sermon every week a new revelation every day because you see it is not a few scriptures on a piece of paper that's the word of God never runs dry can never be empty are you listening to me can never run out of power each way you go at it it grants you revelation each way you go at it it grants you fresh power it's each where you I mean it calls it the manifest wisdom of the glory of God can never, never, never run dry. Never run out of power. Glory to God. If you think about all the vices that have beat humanity to death, whether it is slave trade, whether it is the plague, whether it is the pestilences of days gone by, all of them were brought to an end when a man would choose to lift the burner of the word of God against the order of the day. Oh, hallelujah. Cities have turned round because someone has chosen to lift the banner against the order of the day. Can I tell you something? We live in a generation that is thirsty for courageous men and women that will lift the banner of the word of God and refuse to bow like it was in Daniel chapter number 3 like it was in the days of Moses like it was among the days of the prophets of old it can be in our day can I tell you something this whole COVID business is a grand opportunity for the man that believes 
Have you read the book that says that all things happen for the good of those that believe who are the called according to his purpose? Did you see that? Did you see that? I said, did you see that? He didn't say everything that happens is good, but he says everything happens for the good of those that believe. Now, it could be bad for the one that does not believe, but however bad it is for the man that believes, it happens for the good. Hallelujah. So let me give you a revelation. You are suffering to the degree of your ignorance on God's word. Let me tell you something. God's word is God's power bank. You are depleted of power to the degree that your bank is down. If you have enough of it in your spirit to make a withdrawal, the devil will sigh from your environment. Devil will sigh from your environment. Hallelujah. Some of us devils are having party in our house. I mean, blowing up this, blowing up the other, confused about this, that, and there. I don't know if you've had a man called, uh, called Lester Summerell. Devil visit him in a hotel in Philippine. Turn the tables around, pull the curtains, shake the, 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 the drawers. And then, and then he wakes up and realizes there's a devil in the room. He binds the devil out. Problem is, the devil runs so fast, he forgets to fix the room. Lester Samuel said, no, please. I made my bed in the morning. You don't give me work twice. In Jesus' name, come back in here. And that wind comes sparring into that hotel room and said, put my room back in order. The bed starts being made. The drawers begin to go back. The curtains begin to go back. When everything is in order, say, now you fall spirit in the name of Jesus. Go back to the wilderness where you come from. Does the word you carry teach you the mysteries of the operation of your life? Glory to God. I had the psalmist say that ye are gods and yet you live and die like mere men. Because there is a level and a realm of operation of gods that we actually have not tapped into by reason of the resource we have. Like a man that goes hungry when the bank account is full. But they cannot have the courage to go cast the check. Glory to God. Go to the ATM or suite or go to the supermarket and swipe the card for your delivery of your goodies. Glory to God. Because we have the card, but we think it's just plastic. We think it's just plastic. I mean, you carry the Bible all your life, but you think it's just ink on paper. Can I tell you something? The one that will swipe it will see the result thereof. The one that thinks it's pen on paper, you will cry the rest of your life as you pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As it was, so it shall be. Help me, God. You could even try Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. I mean, 24 times, 48 times, if you don't believe in the power embedded in the scriptures, what you are demonstrating is called having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Paul taught it to his son Timothy, clear and precise. Glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. Every time you are around what we call the church as a Christian society without power, they have a club that is away from the word.
the embodiment of the word, which we will ultimately see to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stay at my digging level tonight so I don't go beyond myself. Charles Spurgeon, the great Englishman, the preacher of the 18th century, he says, a day without reading the Bible is a wasted day. It is a wasted day. You spent it all on WhatsApp. You spent it all on uh, Facebook. You spent it all in the newspaper. You spent it all reading COVID statistics. You spent it all trying to find out what the world is saying about your situation. But you don't seem to give a damn what the word says about that situation. You see, the thing that is going to turn your situation around is not the information at you leather level. It's the information from heaven above that has been capsuled in a piece of leather called the scriptures that if you read it, there is no solution. There is no problem that will not find a solution in the scriptures. Sickness and disease in the scriptures. Women that need children in the scriptures. Women that need husbands in the scriptures. Husbands that need wives in the scriptures. Businessmen that need the next level in the scriptures. I mean, talk about it. What is it? What is it? What is it? Mention it and you will find it in the scriptures. The public and private declaration of scriptures is critical and paramount for the Christian life that we cannot do without it. Religion has taught us that scriptures are for the clergy, the men with a collar, the men with a designer suit, and the rest us go on Sunday. We listen to them deliver what they have received. I'm about to change your theology right now because every one of you has their own responsibility. You live in a generation where every one of you can have your own version of the Bible, a Bible of your choice. Some of them digital on your phone, on your tablet in a, a leather bound. You can have it in every way. The challenge is, do you actually take time to read it? Do you actually take time to read it? Uh-huh. You are so busy with everything that you don't pay attention to the actual thing that you need. A beautiful speaker called it measuring in the minor and minoring in the majors. No wonder your problems are major. Hallelujah. I mean, some of you, your problems are your problems are major generals. They are five-star problems. Glory to God. I say glory to God. They've never met the seventh star solution which is found in the word of God. My little reading finds a website called uh, afrankvoice.com and this is what I pick from there. It says a TV company advertising describes themselves as the people who love TV. I know that describes many of you here. They go on to boast that they have over 40,000 hours of TV live on demand. That's about four and a half years of soap operas, of series, of movies, of games, of documentaries. 40,000 hours is a little about four and a half years. Let's do the math here. Glory to God. He says the average person can read about 100 words per minute. Average person. This is not even the big reader, the big scholar. Average person, about 100 words per minute. So over the course of 40,000 hours, a person can read on average 240 million words. 
Let's break it down further. Depending on your preferred translation, the Bible has an average of about 750,000 words. So over the course of 40,000 hours, an average person should be able to read and finish the Bible 320 times. 320 times. If we put that math at about a year so that we split 320 by 4.5 gives you about 71.1. We round it up to 71 times in a year. I want to give you time to do everything else. Your WhatsApp, watch your movies, play your games because you don't want to say this guy is so mean. He wants us to read the Bible from morning to evening. So I split it. I split it by three. By three. So that you can only take about a third of that. And it still gives you 23.6. That's about 24 times in a year when you watch TV and you do everything else there is to do. So when you tell me you don't have time to read the Bible, I wonder what you use all your time to do. What you use all your time to do. What you use all your time to do. Those that gave themselves to the word of God were tremendously blessed in every generation. Let me tell you something. In every generation, the man that has caused the plateau of the status quo to break asunder was one that gave themselves to the word of God. And the Holy Spirit began to minister to them. Because you see, the word of God is the Holy Ghost environment. That's the Holy Ghost environment. That's why one said that the word of God is God's power bank. Outside of the word of God, you are outside of his power. Are we talking empowered 2021? Your battery is called God's word. Your power bank is called God's word. I like to say, if mosquito bites you and you cut malaria parasite, scholars call it plasmodium. Hallelujah. So does the word of God. If the word of God bites you, Shagamaha. What runs in your vein is the power of God. Restoration, grace of the power of God. Glory to God. I mean, there are scientific confirmations in the laboratory of men like John G. Lake for believing the word of God that the virus of the plague was seen dying and dissolving on his hand under a microscope. I know you want to run that on as a man that runs the miracle power of God. But that power that is called the miracle power of God, the healing grace of God, is actually embedded in the word. To the truth, to the, to the parallel, uh, directly proportional ability that you're going to see God's power at work in somebody's life, it is directly proportional to their power bank. How much word deposit is in your life? How much? What deposit is in your life? Oh, you can quote your boyfriend's letter and say how he called you darling. Purple-eyed, love-dyed, stiff-necked. I mean, they call you everything there is. But if you go to Psalm 23, you can't even get to verse 3. The Lord is my shepherd. Then they all begin to look like, like life did not happen. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. How much time do you give to the scriptures? How much time do you give to the scriptures? How, how much time do you give to the scriptures? When I begin to engage with the scriptures, I'm not engaging for my congregation. It is personal, personal, personal experience. Those that listen to me are privileged to have the overflow. But they can have an idea where I have been. Oh, stagamanduste. 
it is so serious and so personal that sometimes in the scriptures I will hear a voice say this way is where you should go. He said, he said, do not turn from me to go this way or that way because in it you'll be able to prosper and in it you'll be able to see good success. Alexander Fleming found penicillin that dealt with disease in his day that has become the major antibiotic to death. And he tells you he was reading the scriptures when he understood. It's called a revelation. Shagamahaya. The man called Colgate. I don't know if you've read his story. As he was on his way in the scriptures, landing in the city of New York without a parent, without a relative, believing God that he'll be able to make it in the city. Reading the scriptures, he got a revelation and he prayed. He said, Lord, if you make it happen in this city, because Jacob prayed and said, Lord, if you bring me back, I will give you. Ten of my progress. He said, if you make me make it in this city, I will not give you ten. I will give you ninety. I will live on the ten. Everybody now knows Colgate. That story I'm telling you is 1800 and something. His family is still probably one of the richest in the world. Glory to God. Now you think Colgate is the name of a toothpaste, a leading toothpaste. That was a name of a man. Name of a man. Private stories of Alexander Graham Bell tell us that the man got the revelation in the reading of the scriptures. He called his wife to explain what he has seen. That when he did the wire through and he made the connection for the first time, when he picked the phone and it went through, the first thing he did is the woman that had the testimony of what he explained. He said, hello. It has become our word for declaring hello everywhere, but that was his wife's name. Yes. Mrs. Hallow Graham Bell. Now the whole world says hello. Sure. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Let me tell you, hear me and hear me good. Some of you are going to be marvelous movers and shakers of your industries and your, your environments. Glory to God. But you must never forget the 101 of your foundation, which is God's word. Begin to walk in it like a baby. You are going to grow thereby. The Bible says that strong meat belongs to the mature, who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern between that which is good and that which is evil. The exercise of the spirit is the exercise of the word of God. Hey! Outside of the word of God, your exercise is going to be diabolical. What you're doing is demonology. Not the study, but the practice. Glory to God. Because you're opening the human spirit that was designed to receive God's word. And now you're putting in there heresies and manifestations of demons. You tell people things that you don't even believe yourself. Hallelujah. The Pharisees, they stand in the door. They don't go in, neither do they let anybody come in. Word of God, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter number 4, and I think verse number 12, that it is a double-edged sword. Sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing asunder, bone and marrow, separating soul and spirit, searching the innermost intent of the heart. Are you listening to me? Some of us, our hearts have never been searched. That's why all the bitterness is still there. All the anger is still there. 
you are angry at the boy that messed with you in 1424 and that thing is still hidden so deep in there you are only 23 but you look older than me because the word of God has not been given an opportunity to search to search to search to search to divide let me show you something interesting. Go find the proverb. I think it's proverb chapter number number that talks about the woman who's uh, the strange woman whose lips are dripping uh, uh, like the honeycomb. And the Bible say he calls this guy that has no vision or purpose in life. He says, "My the good man has gone in a far country. Come with me. I've dripped the bed with purple and with lace. Come on with me." And then the Bible say, "How words are seductive. They are a double-edged sword." That's the proverb. The words of Solomon. Her words are what? Double-edged sword. Hebrews 4 and 12. His word is sharper than a double-edged sword. You may get that after election next time. But all I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to say is that God's word is sharper than the word of seductive lips. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Sweeter than the honeycomb. Tender than the morning dew. Your word is like honey to my lips. The songwriter said, more than the breath that I breathe. More than the song that I sing. Hallelujah. As a deer punted for the water. Must be Psalm 63. So my heart longs. Yeah, it longs for the living God. For the word of the living God. I wonder how your soul survives in the desert of God's word. How do you survive? How do you tell the stories of your life away from the empowering empowerment of the word of God? Glory to God. For four services this weekend, I want to talk about empowerment by the book, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm convinced beyond any shadow of reasonable doubt that your life can turn around if you will turn the page and begin to engage and indulge with the book. Indulge with the book. In the book, you'll find formula for your next level. I say you'll find something that your boss has never seen. Right now, Uganda is celebrating a man, uh, the professor in uh, pharmacology, a pharmacist uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, that has made the COVIDx. I'm sure you heard about COVIDx, most of you. The last two months, the curve of COVID in Uganda was going as high as it had been predicted by the WHO and IMF two years ago. In the month of May, this guy put his formula to a test because his friend was dying with COVID. Seven days on oxygen in a national hospital. Three days of this guy's formula and the guy came out of hospital. They became two. They became three. His nieces, nephews all got sick with his younger brother, younger brother's family. He put them on the drug. All of them recovered. By the time he got to about 10 of them, he received a call from State House. While the National Drugs Authority is against the man because they are looking at how toxic the formula is and how you could be killing our people in the name of the salvation you declare. The president who knows the need of his nation was looking for the man. 
Go online and look for the guy. You will find out his history and what he's done. Bottom line is that he's already been funded by government. Around over $2 billion to cause mass production. Mass production within three weeks. I think a month this week. And that cover's turned around. The infection rate has turned around. Those that were sick and those that were not sick are now protected. And those that were sick are no longer dying. The guy, when they interview him, he said, when he went to see his friend who is an American in the hospital, he saw him die. And he knew very soon he would be breathing his last. And he said, my heart was crying. And I had God speak to me. And God said, Go try your formula on this guy. Bring it without a label. Don't even tell the doctors. Just give it to him. You should be ever so glad when you're in the environment of somebody who hears God. Anytime somebody says, God spoke to me, and they're really genuine about it. And if you trace their path, they will always be biblical persons, those that read the scriptures, because outside of the scriptures, God will not speak to you. Hallelujah. He said, the words that are speak, they are spirit and they are life. If the Bible and the scriptures become a part of the movement of your life, you're going to be caught up in the realm of spiritual revelation and understanding. Ephesians calls it the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I know you've never had an idea that your understanding has eyes. Your understanding has eyes. Do you believe that? Do you know that you can sit right here on your chair and I can take you home? I've never been to your house. But if you close your eyes right now, I can tell you go down in the lift. We enter your car right now. You see it. We start it. You reverse it. You can see the registration plate, right? You know your plate number, right? Okay, now we are going out of LPF. LPF, right? We L, 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 whatever. We now hit the, we hit the street. I can take you like that, get you home, and you'll sit in your favorite chair. You'll even go to your bathroom and take a shower, and you see it all here while you're seated here because your understanding has eyes. Problem is that those eyes are not enlightened. That's why every time you close them, you see yourself die. You see yourself never having a husband. You see yourself broken. You hear the words of your forefathers, even the ones that died before Martin Luther. They are telling you how you will never this, and you will never that, and you'll never be that, and you'll never be the other. Because the eyes of your understanding are darkened. They are not enlightened. Somebody say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I want to unleash young men and young women at the King's Touch Church tonight. That you'll become detonators by the rights you have in the word of God. That you will break loose every barrier by the infection you have from the word of God. You will be so contagious and so permanent that wherever you go, you have no rights of resistance. You have no rights. I mean, nothing will be able to withstand you. Bible says in the book of Luke that when you go, they will not be able to gainsay or resist. Did you hear that? Not be able to gainsay or resist. The prophet Isaiah said it in a lovely way. I love to quote it. He said, it is him that frustrates the tokens of liars. Proceed. He makes diviners mad. Now, if it ended there, I would still celebrate. But he goes ahead to say, he performeth the counsel of his messenger and brings to pass the word of his servant. Hallelujah. Let me give you the mystery. Why does God always bring to pass the word of his servant? Because his servant word is his word. 
Shabadosa. When I say you are healed, it's because I know what the Bible says about your healing. When I say you are above and not beneath, I can give you chapter and verse. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? When I say in the name of Jesus, it's because that's the critical dispensation and disposition of what the scripture says. It is prescription. Somebody say hallelujah. They give you paracetamol two times three and you think it works for you. Let's see what the word of God is going to do for you. I'll actually give it to you at whatever prescription you want. Because it has no overdose. It will lift you up at every level. Somebody say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Ezekiel 3, 1 to 3, he ate up the scroll. It was in my mouth, he says, as honey for sweetness. Jeremiah 20 and 9, he says, his word was as fire in my bones. I don't know how much I still have on my hour, but let me try to give you an interesting piece that I find in my study. Now, this is an amazing preacher that gets to quote from the Quran. In the Quran, the term al-Akitab, meaning the people of the book, refers to Jews and Christians. Let's confirm it. What is referred to as the scriptures in the Quran is the Torah called at Torah and the Psalms as Zabur and the Gospel Al-Injil. Now, the people of the book, they are referenced in the Jizir verse of the 9 chapter and 29. And what writer, Islamic scholar Ahmed H. Akbar, writes 11 January 2013 in his writing study of the postmodernism and Islam predicament and promise. He says the Quran Quran speaks favorably of the people of the book. What did we call them? Al-Aqtab, right? Alright, so he says, Surah 3, verse 19, he says, carries the universal message of goodwill and hope to those who believe the people of the book irrespective of their religious level, whether Christian or Jews or Muslim, he says, they can marry with the people of the book. So the scholars and the interpreters of uh, Islamic scriptures tell their sons that you can actually marry the girl of the book. Who is the girl of the book? The Jew and the Christian. That's why they have no trouble marrying you. You know why? Because they are convinced you are a woman of the book. This is my million dollar question. How can they be convinced about your status when you have no idea of your status? As a matter of fact, they are so wrong because they think you're a person of the book. They have no idea that if they begin to talk to you, you will quote the book of Joseph and quote the book of Moses and try to find the book of the... Hallelujah! The assumption here is that you have mastered the book and therefore you are a man or the woman of the book. The question is, to what degree is this assumption true? That you have mastered the book. Because it be true that you've mastered the book and indeed a man or the woman of the book, you'll actually have no business to do with them. Because you know what the book says about that? Status. The Latin principle is called sola scriptura, to be interpreted scriptures alone. 
Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you never ever ever read anything else, but it abundantly means that everything you'll ever meet or see or read is judged on sola scriptura. If the Bible agrees with it, we will run with it. If the Bible turns it down, we will turn it down. If the scriptures approve it, we will run with it. If the Bible descends it, we will descend it and we will descend it. In Acts 18 and 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Listen to that profile. I would like to talk about you someday and say that girl from Jerusalem, she's called Nema Somebody. She's an amazing girl. She's generous with her life. She's a, bur- she's a beautiful friend and she's mighty in the scriptures. Problem here is that we have everything in your profile apart from what is most important, your might in the scriptures. To what degree have you engaged with the scriptures that we can have the privilege of calling you mighty in the scriptures therein? Mighty in the scriptures. I don't want to be the one to insult your intelligence. But to the degree that your knowledge of scriptures is limited, your intelligence is limited. Hallelujah. Because you see, scripture opens the supernatural window of your understanding. Come on. Like the preachers say, you could have more degrees than a thermometer if the word, the seed of the word of God called spora, the seed of the living God, is not on the inside of you. You will fail in your critical decision. For example, in who to marry and how to raise your children because the foundation of making choice based on intelligence does not abide. Does not abide. Does not abide. Let me knock it down for your understanding. The word is intuition. That's what the word of God does. When you learn of the scriptures, it brings intuition. Intuition is an English word made of two words. In meaning inside and tuition meaning education. So when the word of God gives you intuition, the word of God gives you inside education. Shadabadosa. <laughs> That's what the word said that you have the spirit of God within you and you understand all things. You will not direction to life to the degree of your investment in God's word. I'm talking about direction to life on where to put your money, for example. Glory to God. Some of the most drastic decisions I've made in my life. For example, leaving my country to move my base to where I am right now. For example, the woman that I married, the way that I live my life, some of the major investments in my life, whether to do with money or the ministry direction, all of it is always silly and absolutely crazy at the point of making it. Cannot make sense to anybody. Sometimes I cannot even explain it because it's inside education. So, empowered 2021, I'm here to submit to you that your empowerment is in the foundations. And the scripture says if the foundations are out of course, what will the righteous do? In other words, there's nothing you can do when you go away from what builds the foundation. I think we've cracked the coconut. Let me begin to wind it tonight. We'll pick it up tomorrow. A gentleman called Philip Schaff writes and he says that every true progress in church history is conditioned by a new and a deep study of the scriptures. 
When the wave of prayer comes, must be best in the study of the scriptures. The understanding of the Holy Spirit, best in the, in the teaching of the scriptures. The public declaration, private reading of the scriptures, both privately and publicly. The only true reformation and transformation, what we call empowerment, emanates from the word of God. A few examples from the history. We have the 17th century Puritans. These men were so deep in their study and bold in their preaching that they shook the English monarchy in the bathing of what is called the Church of England to death. The reading of the scriptures did that. John Knox, the guy that turned around Scotland, praying, declaring, give me Scotland or I die. They write about him and say he was such a man of the book that he was about restoring biblical centrality and the authority of the scriptures in the church. Because there's a level of church that has no authority and centrality of the scriptures. Jesus told them, because of the traditions of your fathers, you don't know the scriptures and you deny the power of God. Meanwhile, they think they serve God. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. My early learnings as a minister, I was taught to be strong in the pulpit against all odds. And that strength does not come out of the blue. It is the study of the scriptures. Apollos from Alexandria, arrived in Ephesus. And when they tell their profile, they cannot excuse the fact that the man that was mighty in the scriptures. If you read on, you will find he did not know even about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All he knew was about the baptism of John. But he was mighty in the scriptures. When the Ethiopian eunuch met, uh, met Philip the evangelist, must be Acts chapter number 6, the Bible says that he met him, reading Isaiah 53, how he was, uh, he was uh, uh, beaten for our transgressions, and how by his stripes we are healed. And the Bible says he started him right there. And the Bible says he took him through the scriptures from Moses all the way to Jesus Christ. And how he was crucified. How do you turn Isaiah 53 to tell a man that that is the one that was crucified in Jerusalem the other day? Inside education. John Calvin in Geneva, it was written about him that he had no weapon but the Bible. One writes about one preacher and he says he was so blind in his blood that if you cut his, his, his vein, his blood will be biblical. Martin Luther in Germany, an Augustinian monk, a professor of moral theology in the University of Wittenberg. We know his story. He writes 95 theses of disputation of the power of efficacy and indulgences. It is a list of propositions for the academic disputation between 1517, the year of our Lord, which retrospectively is what is considered as a signal for the birth of Protestantism. That you read the scriptures so much that you can stand against the powers that be. And say, no, it's not possible that the demand for offerings at a certain level can be for the remission of sins. Because in the scripture, I had John the Baptist at the river Jordan say, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. 
Glory to God. He did not only read the scriptures for his private interpretation. He read the Bible in Latin, but he translated it into German vernacular. Tremendously impacting both the church and the German culture. Influencing and writing even the English translation. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, not the king, but Martin Luther the reformer. He's renowned as a father in England. Not just a church father, but a national father. Recently, 500 years, 500 about years of his uh, of his uh, life was celebrated glory to God because the whole German culture until the recent past was built on a man that had his understanding of the scriptures that he translated the scriptures from Latin to their German vernacular now you may not believe it or not but all that has direct impact to the kind of lifestyle that Germans live today because language impacts culture. And if we get time, we will get to learn that culture is indeed a reflection of our connection with God. Because you see, the bottom word for the word culture is the word cult, which means worship. Glory to God. The excellence in the German culture, from the way they make their cars, to the way they make their vacuum cleaners, to the way they build their houses, is directly connected to the impact of somebody that understood the scriptures. You will be surprised. But Martin Luther, the same Martin Luther, is the father of, of, of what is called conventional education. To take people to school, which he began as what they call Sunday school. He says, no, let the children be gathered. They will be taught. And he raised his priests, his monks that used to work with him, that the children would be taught by those monks. And those Sunday school became schools, which became formal education. What am I trying to say tonight? Your essence of love for scriptures is your empowerment. I feel sorry for you to imagine that the scriptures are cake and they are not for you to read. You'll rather read memes and Facebook posts and be excited about that and stay away from the scriptures. I tell you with that you will die young. The way those quotes are short and you love quickly and by tomorrow you've forgotten them, so will be your life. So will be your life. Let me tell you, you can read the scriptures because it is qualified for years, for centuries, for before time. Let me tell you, scripture, this is treatable as I feel it in the spirit, is the language of God. Is the heart of God breaking into language. And if you begin to develop your love for the scriptures, you are getting close to the heart of God that God will call you sweetheart and you will hear it. Come on. How many of you love a guy, but you never want to hear him talk? That's called deception. One of the ways we know you love him, even when you've not declared, yeah, is how much you want to hear him. Oh, my goodness. He called at midday, but at two, you're waiting for his call as if he last called three weeks ago. Because you're in love and your heart is drawn to what he has to say. Sometimes when I call my wife, I don't have to say much. It is moaning and groaning. <laughs> There's not much to say, but the voice, the words, the equation is adding up in the heart. Because the love is flowing from the heart of a man that she loves. How much more should you and me be thirsty for his word? How much more should you and me be thirsty for his word that we may hear him speak? 
hear him speak. What happens in the days of old could very easily begin to crack a coconut in your life right now. I want to believe, Pastor, that I'm talking to inventors tonight. I'm talking to business moguls tonight. I'm talking to real business makers tonight. Your destiny is searching for you, but the GPS is beep beeping. The signal can't be found because of the level of word. Level of word. You know, in the spirit, when they look for you, they don't ask for your name because you're seen in Christ Jesus. It is your level of word, which is your relationship with the Holy Spirit that is going to cause your location. Oh, Shagabakalela. I can hear location found on somebody's life. I can hear location found on somebody's life because your word is going to begin to build and cause establishment. What we talk about Germany and Martin Luther is true concerning Great Britain and the scriptures. When they talk about how the sun never set on Great Britain, they don't tell you the truth, but all that is embedded in the truth that that's the nation that gave the scriptures to the world. By the translation of what is called the 1611 edition of the King James Version of the Bible, it's called the King James Version because the king ordered it by his edict. 1611. That's the scripture that has run around the nations today. English is spoken a lot around the world. Not because they were the colonizers, but because they gave the scriptures to the world in their own language. Now the cultures of the world have no option but to speak the language of the scriptures that happens to be the English language. Come on. Come on, come on. Now, with all their misfortunes over the recent years and the turnaround of their governments and disorders in their lives, they may not be Great Britain anymore, but very few nations can mess with them because of a foundation that is embedded in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If that is true for nations, you cannot underestimate the capacity of that in your own life. Let me give you homework and a real challenge by the grace of God. And I'm being prophetic right now. For those of you that have been lazy bones, for lack of better words, I can even say lazy. I'm in the pulpit. Let me have mercy on you. Whatever lazy something you are, I want to give you a challenge to test God on his scriptures for the next 10 days. And see by the daring of God in your life, on the scriptures, if something special will not happen in your life as evidence of the equation of God's attention on your life. Because when you give him attention, he will give you attention. You take care of his business, he will take care of your business. Glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. I think we'll begin there tomorrow as you talk about the character of the book. But Harvard, great renowned school around the world today, among many, many others. If you search the history of them from Princeton to, 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 to Harvard, even Oxford, all of them were actually founded by reverence as schools of biblical understanding. The original logo of Harvard had four books on it with the word veritas, which is the word for truth in the Latin. Because it's an institution to teach what the word of God is. Now, today, they are superstars in business. They are everything you can imagine. In the world of education, you don't say nothing if you cannot quote Harvard. Because of their foundation.
So I want to take you back to the foundation and commit to you by the grace of God, ladies and gentlemen, that your life can change and be empowered forever if you will touch base with where the power is. How worthy are you of your credential? Because tonight I've just given you your credible credentials that you are a person of the book. Let's go back to the credential by which we are called. Glory to God. When is the last time you deeply indulge in the book by which we are called? If we can't read it, we won't believe it. If we won't believe it, we will not apply it. The study of the scriptures is such that in three basic points, you observe, which is the reading. You interpret, which is the revelation. And then you apply, which is application theology. How can you apply what you've not interpreted? That depth of decadence of ignorance gets men to apply their lives based on what the prophet has said. Go clean your account and bring your money. Leave your wife, find another one. I mean, they're, they're prophet, they don't prophesy, they prophesy. And I'm sure you know about them. I'm sure you know about them. Some of you have had encounters. I don't feel sorry for you if you've had an encounter like that. But your life can turn around. In a moment, if you can go back to the principles of truth, read the word for yourself. Believe it for yourself. Run with it for yourself. Somebody say hallelujah. I can talk to you until the cows come home. I must put the bricks on right now. Let me finish with James chapter number one. The Bible says, he said, therefore, let's lay aside all filthiness. Somebody say filthiness. I must be around verse number 27. He says, let's lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness. That's the word for humility. Meekness is not weakness. That is the status by which your heart receives the word of God. By meekness, receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. That is able to save your soul. That is able to save your soul. That, that is able to save your soul. Fine. James chapter number one. They, they may think I'm not saying the truth. Find it. Find it. Find it. Find it. Find it. The, the, therefore, let us lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That is all the pride you have led your life around with when you say the word of God. I mean, those things are for pastors, for apostles. I mean, all I do is go to church on Sunday, but you don't live by it. That is called superfluity of naughtiness. Filthiness. <laughs> Your filth is going to be countered by the word of God. Your superfluous, superfluity of naughtiness is going to be countered by the word of God. Filthiness. All your addictions, all your fears, all your trials, they're going to be countered by what? His word, superfluity of naughtiness. I mean, you have those two naughty behaviors because of your mother raised you and you disrespect people and you don't give due honor where honor is due and you just live as if you are a bruhaha in life. It is the word of God that is going to supercharge and crumble completely. Your superfluity of naughtiness. With meekness, which is humility, receive the engrafted word. Somebody say engrafted. Come on, somebody say engrafted. Come on, somebody say engrafted. It's not enough to hear it. When you read it, you hear it. When you hear it, it gets engrafted. Do you know what engraft means? 
You cut the plant, it's orange. You bring another plant cut called apple. You join them together, stick them together, begin to water them. When it grows, you have a fruit that is transformed. Apple mango is engrafted apple on mango. They're very popular in Kenya. I mean, growing them everywhere by Israeli technology. Engrafted. Until that word has been engrafted in your spirit, it is useless to you. It is basic religion. Glory to God. When it is engrafted in your spirit, concerning healing and disease come. Come on somebody, hallelujah. I'm not giving you encouragement, word of encouragement, positive thinking here to leave you puffed up and feeling like you can achieve anything. Come on. They talk about motivational speakers. After listening to them, you go home feeling like you can start a business with a hundred bob. And you really feel that you can and you will. He says, I started my business with a toothpick. Within seven years, look what, look, look, look what positive thinking can be. You are going to crash and fall so flat, you may never rise again. So this is not just motivation. Have you had them? They say, I sold my first car. That's how I made my first million. Oh, blessed boy, go sell your car. You will wonder what happened to the motivation speech. So what I'm telling you here is an engrafting of the word of God on your heart. There is no doubt that fruit will arise. You will know them by their fruit. Your character can tell me how much word is in your life. How much word is in your life? Because that is ultimately going to be the direction of your disposition. Word will develop your belief system, which is the culture of your life. Belief system will raise you into values. Value system is going to raise you into behavior. Behavior is going to lead you into choices that will lead to consequences of your life. Of your life. If you see a beautiful girl and you can hold on, until you're married, I know how much word is in there on that matter. Shabadosa. I began young to understand the scriptures on that matter. I'm sure you see how stunningly beautiful my wife is. We dated for six and a half years. I cannot tell you how many times the sergeant was saluting. But the boundaries of the word of God could not make me make a move. I'm serious. You can laugh about it, but I'm serious. I'm serious. If you see money that does not belong to you, and there is nothing in your heart that tells you to stay away, I know how much word is in your heart on that matter. The corruption we have around Africa has really, really, really seriously to do with how little word we have within our heart. Never mind that everybody in prison for corruption is called James, Peter, and John. They have the names of the apostles, but they don't have the word of the apostles. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? You receive with meekness the humility that says, I can never do this myself. Let the word of God begin to flow in my life. And then it begins to build you as an edifice, a building, a mighty, mighty building like the one we are seated in today. I tell you, if you begin to operate the word of God in the next seven years, you can be larger than life. And I'm prophesying now, you can be bigger than what you think in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I say, come on, somebody. 
that wife you are looking for, you will find the one that was designed for you by the magnets called the scriptures. My pastor told me many years ago reading in Romans and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. The fine preacher that he is, he began to preach and he said, your wife is in the gospel. Your future is in the gospel. Your destiny is in the gospel. And I reign with that, ladies and gentlemen. I can tell you today that all that I am and all I will ever be by the grace of God has its attachment to the gospel. The embodiment of the scriptures within me. 15 years ago when we first got married, struggling around with why my life and my wife would ask me, but this faith, will it ever bring food to the table? I was so convinced within, with by the scriptures, and I tell her, baby, yes it will. Can you say those things with the courage that believes? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Then she's working for a mighty American NGO. Top level job. Blue cheap. As a senior financial manager there. And I'll tell her, I say, sweetheart, you know what? One of these days, I'm going to employ you. (laughs) And you know, seriously, you laugh about it. But today, apparently I'm her boss. (laughs) And you know what? Don't tell her. But she really loves it. Because the scriptures will teach you the things that the world will never teach you. Lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. That word save is the word sozo, which is a complete transformation. It is the word shalom in the Hebrew. Peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. In the Greek, it is the word irene, the peace of God. How do you like it that you live your life in the fullness of the peace of God? As is written in Philippians, glory to God, number four, that be anxious for nothing but by prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I'm the peace of God. The passes human understanding will mount garrison your heart in Christ Jesus. How can you live your life without a revelation like that? How do you even begin to pray without a revelation like that? How do you build a life, build a marriage, build a business without the foundation of the scriptures? Ladies and gentlemen, you are the people of the book. I'm looking at the people of the book. By it you shall live. In it you will meditate day and night. Day and night. Day and night. You will not look on the left or on the right. You will focus on it. He says by it you will see success. And he says by it you will prosper. It is by the book. The men of old are promised, have profited by the book. He says I'll teach you which way to go. I will teach you how to profit. Scripture will teach you stock. Come on. Scriptures will teach you entrepreneurship. Say amen to that. Come on, say amen to that. We live in a generation where the powerhouse of the scriptures is left for the pulpit. I want you to take it home. I want you to take it to your bedroom. I want you to take it to your business. I want you to take it in the marketplace and let the word of God work for you because the word of God will never fail. The prophet said Isaiah as quoted by Peter. Do you remember that the grass withers and the flower fades? 
but his word will endure forever. Ladies and gentlemen, arrest my case. But I want to see a lifted hand tonight of a man or woman that makes up their mind, saying, beginning tonight, I'm making a personal covenant to walk back to the scriptures. I may start in Genesis. I may never get to Revelation, but I'm committing tonight. I'm going to eat it like a dying man. If that's your commitment, lift your hand wherever you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, open your mouth and begin to pray that prayer of commitment today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.